Last week, we started a, a series entitled Healing Choices. How many of you found out last week that your neighbor has some habits, some hurts, and some hang-ups? Uh, say amen. 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 How many of you found out that you have some too? Say amen. amen. Uh, we all have stuff, don't we? We all have stuff. And how are we going to deal with those? What are we going to do? Well, we, we began last week by talking about choices that we need to make. And last week, we talked about the reality choice and the The first step in dealing with our hurts and habits and hang-ups in our lives is that we have to admit them, and we have to admit that we are powerless on our own to change ourselves, and we have to admit that we need God's help, and then we have to accept help from other people because God very often uses other people to be the answer to our prayers, and we have to humble ourselves and receive that. And we talked about that last week, and today we want to look at the second step uh, found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. These These are what we call the Beatitudes. And we discovered two weeks ago that, that the word uh, blessed means what? Happy. Okay, th- two of you remember. I feel like such a failure. Um, means happy. So how many of you want to be happy? Say amen. amen. All right. So happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who are meek. Happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Happy are those who are merciful. Happy are the pure in heart. Happy are the peacemakers. Happy are those who are persecuted. And today we want to look at the second of these Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. And it says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray that you would make it come alive to us. There's nobody here who needs to hear anything that I have to say. But every one of us needs to hear what you have to say desperately. And God, I pray that you would speak to us. Deep in our our innermost being, Lord God, beyond the the level of emotion, beyond the level of our intellect. But God, that you would commune with us spirit to spirit. You would say what you want to say to us. Help us to see what we need to see. Hear what we need to hear. And God, respond in the way that you want us to respond. And I thank you. I believe you're going to do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many of you have ever heard a story that you were just not sure if it was true or not? You ever heard a story like that? Well, I'm, I'm not sure if this story is true, but it, but it sounds like some people I know. I, let, me, let me just read it to you, it was, or tell you about it at least. It was reported in the Orange County Register, so, so it must be true because it's in the media, right? I, I don't know, but, but it, it says that there was a, a flood in Orange County, which is really odd because it usually doesn't get much, they don't usually get much rain in, in Orange County, but, but the rain had caused mudslides and, and, and flooding and Conditions were, were so bad that, that they sent their reporter actually out on a boat to one particular neighborhood. And in this neighborhood, he, he, he found a, a woman sitting on a roof and, and just watching large objects, objects float by. So uh, according to the story, this reporter climbed up on the roof to interview this woman. And, and as the reporter was interviewing the woman, they're sitting there and he sees like a Weber grill float by in the, in the water. And and he continued to interview this lady, and he saw a large golden retriever pass by, sitting on top of his doghouse, just floating by. And then he kept talking, and then you're just barely under the surface. This SUV just floated by, right by the house underneath him. And a few minutes later, they're sitting there as they're talking, and this hat began to float by. And the hat went to the edge of the property and then turned around and floated back the other way. And then the hat turned around and, and according to the story, floated back 
the other way again. And he said this happened seven or eight times. And the hat was just flo- floating back and forth in the front yard. And, and, and finally the reporter thought to himself, what is going on? He said, do you have any idea how that, how that hat is, is floating upstream? And, and the lady said, oh, oh, yeah, that's just my crazy husband. He said he was going to mow the lawn come hell or high water. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that's true. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> how, many, how many of you know people like that? You know, their life is flooded and, and their life is passing them by and they're more concerned about their lawn, about trivial things. They're arranging the deck, deck chairs on the Titanic while their life is sinking. Their life is full of habits and heartaches and hang-ups and hurts and, and they just want to make sure that their lawn looks nice for everybody else. They want to make sure their, their hair is done exactly right and, and they want to make sure their clothes are pressed. They want to make sure that they look good when they come to the house of the Lord on Sunday. You know, they may have been arguing like cats and dogs in the car all the way to church, but when they get there, it's, what's happening is it's that, it's that hat going up and downstream over and over again. They just want to look good for everybody else. That's somebody who's concerned about their lawn while their life is floating by. Does, does anybody remember, resemble that remark? Say amen. Well, here, here's what, what, what we do. We, we try to do things to make us think that we're in control. We're not in control. But we try to do little things to make us feel like we're in control. So all of our life is floating downstream, but we're, but we're going to mow the yard because that at least gives us something to do where we feel like we're in charge. But, but here's the problem. We all have habits. We all have hurts. We all have hang-ups. We all have stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good. Some of you need to be a little more sincere when you say that. Some of you are smirking. You know. So let's try it again and, and say it in the love of Jesus. You say, you look good, but you have stuff. Now, you, were, see, you said that part with a lot more conviction. I can see that, uh, you know, underneath that makeup, underneath that suit, behind that smile, you have stuff. We all have stuff. Some of us are better at hiding it than others, but everybody has stuff. Some of us are really good at trying to mow the lawn and make it look like we're in charge and we're in control. But, but in the first message, message of the series, we learned that we're not in control. We have tried to control our stuff, but we can't control it. And we try to find all kinds of pathways to control our stuff. We have this stuff. We try to keep it a secret. But here's the thing. The more you try to keep it a secret, the more you identify with it, the more you think about it, the more you dwell upon it and the more you become its victim and, and, it, and the more it becomes your Lord and then, the, then it begins to take charge in your life. And, and the stuff becomes for us like a prison cell. How many of you have ever felt like your stuff has put you in a prison? Anybody here? It becomes a prison. We try to control it and then we find out we're powerless. And some of you are, are, are trying to find a pathway out of your hurt by, uh, through, through, through alcohol. Some are trying to find a pathway through your hang-ups, through your own efforts and your own discipline. Uh, you're, you're trying to find a pathway through some, relation, through some relationship that's not healthy. You're trying to find a pathway through it by getting more power, by getting more money. And we do all these things to self-medicate. But you know what? We can live very comfortably We can live a very comfortable life, but never be comforted. Think about that for a moment. You can have the big house. 
You can have the nice car. You can have the bank account full of money. I, I'd like to try that one at least once for, for my life. But you, you can have the job. You can have the promotion. You can have everything the world has to offer, but still be empty inside because you haven't found out how to really handle your stuff. The pathway you thought would bring freedom leads to a prison cell instead. Our stuff imprisons us, our habits, our heartaches, our hurts, and our hang-ups become a prison. And there's something unique about this prison because what's unique about this prison is is that there's no exit door in this prison. If you get locked in, you're not getting out on your own. On our own, we are powerless to get out of the prison of our own making. On our own, we are powerless to get rid of our own stuff. On our own, we we will stay imprisoned by our hurts, imprisoned by our habits, imprisoned by our hang-ups. We will never get out. And you hear this and you say, well, then how do we get out then? Listen, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Nothing is impossible with Him. You can tie yourself in. You can chain yourself up. You can have walls a million feet tall and a million feet thick and you can't get out of it on your own but the Lord Jesus Christ can come and he can rescue you there is no prison cell that can be created from which Jesus cannot deliver you he will come to where you are but you have to understand that you're powerless to get out of that prison cell on your own there's no way out by yourself you need someone to come and rescue you God's pathway to healing now Now listen to this. God's pathway to healing is by mourning. Look at the verse again. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who do what? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Everybody say mourn. Mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. What does the Bible say in the Old Testament? It says weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Listen, we we all want the joy that comes at daybreak, but to get to the joy that comes at daybreak, you have to go through the sorrow that lasts through the night. Jesus said, blessed are those who do what? Who mourn, for they will be what? Comforted. We're, We're looking for comfort in all kinds of places, looking for comfort in all kinds of activities, looking for comfort in all kinds of pathways, but the path to comfort goes through a season of sorrow. Don't everybody shout me down on that one. <laughs> so you were all excited, a lot more excited about two minutes ago. But uh, you say, well, Pastor Dave, uh, what, what do you have to mourn? Well, let me give you just a few thoughts here. Number one, we have to, we have to mourn our, fa- our past mistakes. You have to get to the point where you, you look at your past and you admit that you've made mistakes. Is there anybody here who's, who's never made a mistake before? Let me see your hand. Anybody here ever made a mistake? Say amen. 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 Yeah, I, I, thought I, I thought I was wrong once, but I was just mistaken. But anyway, uh, how, many of you ever, how, many of you ever, how many of you ever lived in a land of I wish I hadn't? Ever, 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 ever been lived? You lived in I wish I hadn't? I wish I hadn't said that. You ever been there? Have you ever let a word out and then wish you could just suck it right back up? You're like, you say it and you're like, no. <laughs> and it's just... So some of you, yes, you, I know you've done that. I've seen you do that. You're like, did I really say that? You ever had thought, did I really say that? I mean, did I say it or just, did I just think it? Was I thinking out loud? I don't even know if I said it. But we live there. We say, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't gone there. I wish I hadn't dropped out of school. I wish I hadn't made that choice. Any ever, anybody ever been in that place in your life before? 
Listen, we can live in I wish I hadn't, I wish I hadn't, I wish I hadn't, but there comes a time, instead of just saying I wish I hadn't, we have to learn how to mourn our past mistakes. We have to admit that we have messed up, that we have blown it, that we have to mourn the destruction that those choices have made and they've caused not only in our lives, but in the lives of people around us. We can't, like last week we talked about, we can't just keep playing whack-a-mole with it, trying to knock it down and keep it down and press it under, because until we mourn over it, we can never be free from it you can't be free until you understand yes i blew it yes i lost it yes i shouldn't have done that yes i've sinned and we do that without making excuses see what we don't want to do we we want to deny it we don't want to mourn it we want to deny it We, we, we want to make excuses for why we did what we did well 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 he made me mad well, he made me mad. Well, can I give you a newsflash? I'm just going to step aside from preaching and go to meddling here for a minute. All right. Can I tell you this? Nobody makes you angry. What's quiet in here? Like, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I meant to bring a, a cup of water up here. Uh, does anybody have water? Anybody have water? Bottle of water? Anything? Oh, that'll be perfect. I don't care. I'm not going to drink it. I'm not going to drink it. There's not, there's not much in there. All right. All right. So, so you got this, you got this water here. Now, now if I, if I start doing this, see that water coming out? Why, why did that water come? Oh, I just got my notes all wet. Who knows, who knows what I'm going to say now? I hope I can turn that page in a minute. Let me ask you a question. Why did that water come out of there? No, it is not because I shook it. The water came out because it was in there in the first place. If this is empty, I can shake it all day long and there's no water coming out. Isn't that right? So what I'm trying to tell you is that when you find yourself, and for some of us it takes a lot of shaking, for some of us it just takes a little jostle here and there, when you find yourself that when life begins to shake you and stuff begins to flow out of you and you say, well, they did this and that caused it. They made me mad. They made me do this. They made me do that. No, I'm trying to tell you something here. If you'll, if you'll hear this, is that those circumstances of life that God uses those to help you see what's really inside of you because when it shakes you, what comes out out is what's in there. Well, it's getting really quiet in here now. And my words are running. I've got to hurry and get to the next dry page. But please, listen, you choose your response to the stimuli that's introduced in your life. And so, and so we, we want to make excuses. We want to blame it on other people. We want to blame it on circumstances. What we, what we have to do is say, listen, I need to take responsibility for what's sloshing out of my life when these things happen. I need to deal with that. I need to go to God. And I need, need to mourn over that in my life. We, we, we mourn our past mistakes. But, but the second thing is that we, we, we have to mourn playing God. We touched on this last week. We have to get get to the point in our lives where we say, I am not in control. I'm not in charge. And we we do all kinds of of weird little things to convince ourselves that we're in charge. You know, like like seatbelts on an airplane. You know, listen, seatbelt on an airplane. You ever thought about that? If you're crashing into the ground at 600 miles per hour, ain't no seatbelt going to help you. You you know, you know why that seatbelt's there? 
that's, that's, that's just so when they find your body, they'll know who it is. Well, he was an F2. That must be, that must be this person. But uh, we feel more in charge because we can buckle that seatbelt. You know, I'm, I'm hurtling along at 700, 600 miles per hour, uh, six miles up in the air, but I'm belted in, so I must be okay. I'm going to be fine. But, uh, you know, you know what I wonder about plane crashes? I wonder, why don't they make the whole plane out of whatever they make the black box out of? That's, that's my question. You ever wonder, wonder that? I mean, you know, they always find the black box. That part's under. I want my seat in the area around me made out of whatever the black box is made out of. Then they'll, they'll find me. That's, anyway, I, I'm uh, chasing a rabbit there. I'll, I'll move on. See, that's what happens when the notes run. You don't know what's going to come out when I'm like, I don't know what that says. I'll just make up something now. Um, but, uh, uh, it, 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 you know, you know, that thing, airplanes, it's kind of funny. You know, they always talk about that little oxygen mask. In the case of a sudden loss of pressure, an oxygen mask will fall from you. you, you anybody ever flown? You know what I'm talking about? You know? And so, you know, what do they say? They say, if you have small children, uh, Put the mask on yourself first, and then assist your child. And then, and then what they say, what they don't say, but it's kind of implied, is if you have more than one child, pick the one you want to save. <laughs> you know, that's what it seems like to me. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to move on. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm getting lost here. But, but, but listen, we want to feel like we're in control, don't we? So we, we do all kinds of things in our lives. We, we drive the right kind of car. We become members of the right places. We're, we put on the right kind of clothing. We come to church. We know how to lift our hands exactly the right moment. We know all the words to say. We walk in and how are you? Oh, I'm blessed, brother. Bless God. I couldn't be better if I was any better. I just, it'd be illegal in 16 states. And we, you know, it's like it, it, what we do is our life is falling apart. We're like the guy that jumped from a hundred store building and he's flying down the, about the 50th floor. Somebody says, how's it going? says so far so good but you know the problem is there's a crash coming and one day we crash because we have these hurts we have these habits we have these hang-ups and they put us in a prison and until we mourn that we have played God until we admit that we are not in charge of our lives then we can't find healing we love to think that we're in charge of our lives don't we but the truth is we are not in control of anything in our lives that is really of importance or value to us I mean if you don't believe me what I'll tell you you know I'll clarify it when you get the phone call from the doctor and says, it's cancer, there's nothing we can do. Suddenly you realize the only things that matter in this life, I don't have any control over. We, 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 we have to mourn the fact that we tried to play God our lives. We have to realize that we're not in charge, that our lives are really out of our control. We, we mourn our past mistakes. We mourn playing God in our lives. And then we, we discover God's pathway to healing. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, you're still trying to make yourself comfortable, but you're still in prison and there's no way out on your own. And until you start to mourn and say, I have blown it, I have messed it up, I have sinned, until you mourn and realize that you're out of control, then you are powerless to change your life. You cannot change your life on your own. Can I tell you something? You can declare it all you want. You can speak it. You can have willpower. You can just go for it. But in the end, it's going to take God 
God to change your life. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The Bible says that God gives beauty for ashes. He gives joy for sorrow. He gives praise for despair. This is the God that we serve. And we come to Him with all of our hurts and all of our habits and all of our hang-ups. And we come to Him mourning our own stubborn rebellion and mourning our past sins and mistakes. See, we don't, we, we don't want to mourn past mistakes because we don't want to face the pain. So we keep ourselves busy in order to avoid it. But you know, I want you to hear this. This is something we need to understand. We think all pain is bad, but there's, there's a point in pain in our lives very often what God's trying to do because it's in our pain that God speaks to us very often. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. We live in a culture that doesn't want to feel pain. We anesthetize everything. We want to numb ourselves until we feel nothing. Whether it's, whether it's numbing through relationship or, or numbing through a bottle or numbing through drugs or numbing even through religious experiences that leave us the same as when we went to that church or numbing it through gaining a lot of money. We want to numb our pain by, gaining, by, by all these things. But God wants us to feel our pain. And in that pain, we will find His comfort. Can I tell you this? God, pain is God's antidote, antidote to denial. How many of you are good at denying things? Anybody here good at denying things? How many of you know somebody that ought to just move to Egypt because they are living in a state of denial? <laughs> Geography joke there. I know it's not cool, but listen, you're good at denial. You're good at blaming. We just keep denying and denying and denying, but God lets pain into our lives so that we can understand and face our loss and face our grief and face our, our, our need. I want you to think about it like this. Pain from God is like a fire alarm, alarm going off at your house. You know, if your fire alarm goes off at two o'clock in the morning, how many of you wake up to that fire alarm and you just want to, and you just throw a rock at it and say, I wish that thing would just shut up. I hope, I hope you first check to see that if there's a fire. You know, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me several years ago. There's a time I was, I was having some back issues and my back was hurting. And, and so I asked Erin that night if, if she would mind if I, if I used her bed for a couple of nights because she had, she had the newest and the best mattress in the house. And so I knew that was going to be the one that's going to provide the most support. And like, you know, our mattress, the one that Julie and I use is, I don't even know how old it is. I'm, I can't even count that high right now. It's just the, what it is, and it is what it is. But so I, I went to use her bed that night. She was happy to do that, and and uh, she was very young. Uh, but but I, I was fast asleep, and in the middle of the night, some ungodly hour, it was like four thirty in the morning. All of a sudden, this noise starts going off, and what had happened was. Erin had this iPod that she had worked to try to earn money and she bought it. And for some reason, she had set an alarm on that iPod for 4.30 a.m. And it's sitting in her room and I'm in there trying to sleep in the room. Now, now listen, I don't know about you, but it's, it's, it, I got up and fiddled with it to try to turn it off. And, and it was dark. I didn't have my contacts in. I'm as blind as a bat. I see about this far before it gets blurry. And, and I'm a little bit groggy in the middle of the night. I'm not, I don't know about you, I'm not one of those fast waker-uppers. I'm a slow waker-upper. Anybody else like that? You know, and, and so anyway, five minutes later, 
you know, I mean, I, I finally fumble around and get it to stop. I'm like, oh, good. I go back to sleep. So I crawl back in bed. Five minutes later, the alarm goes off again. And, and so I get up and fiddle with it again. And I'm like, okay, finally. Then I go back to bed. Five minutes later, it goes off again. Because I, I didn't know how to turn it off. So all I was doing was hitting the snooze button on the stupid thing. And so finally, it, it, five minutes later, it goes off another time. And so I get tired of it. So you know what I did? I took it into another room and put it underneath some pillows and left it there. And thought, maybe now I won't hear it. And God has all of these alarms that go off on our lives. And instead of dealing with the alarm, we try to stuff it somewhere where we won't hear it anymore. And he lets the alarms go off to wake us up. And pain sometimes is one of those alarms. We're, we're, we're going to go through pain. And when we're feeling pain, when we're feeling great, that great grief, that might be an alarm for us. It's a fire alarm from God. And we don't need to try to hide it. We don't need to try to shove it down. We don't need to try to turn it off. And we don't need to try to numb it. What we need to do is try to figure out what the pain is trying to tell us. What is God trying to do in my life in this moment? Why? Why am I feeling what I'm feeling right now? Why is my heart aching the way it is right now? It may be because you're in a prison of your own making and you're trying to get out on your own and there's no way out on your own and we have to turn it over to God and we have to mourn. And when we mourn, it says that we shall be what? Comforted. Let me, let me talk to you about this issue of pain for just a moment. How does God allow pain to come into our lives? How does, it, how does he allow it to come into our lives? Well, the number one way God uses to, uh, to, to allow pain to come into our lives is through crisis. You know, everything is going along great. Everything is looking good. And all of a sudden, boom, we've all been there. There's a crisis. And that crisis exposes the hurt that's inside of us. Maybe you're going through something and, and you have hurt buried deep in your past. You know, you, you get married. Can I tell you something? Uh, when you get married... Marriage is not a way uh, that, that's going to suddenly make your issues go away because what's happened is not only are you broken, but you have married another broken person. And so now you've got both of your issues coming together and there's going to be some issues there. Can I get an amen? amen. Somebody, some of you were like really way too enthusiastic there. Amen, brother. Finally, somebody. Are you listening, Herbert? You know. <laughs> I'm glad there's no Herbert here. There's no Herbert, right? <laughs> and if you're watching online and you're Herbert, I apologize. Jesus said you have to forgive me. So let's, we'll move on. But anyway, you, you, you get married and then that person, eventually they're going to do something to you that causes some pain. And so you, you get divorced because you, you don't deal with it. And then you get remarried. And then number two does the same thing that number one did to you before. And there's a crisis. And now all of that hurt is coming back up again. And you're, you're going to go through a situation and, and, and you, you have buried your pain. And everybody thinks you're okay. But then here comes another issue. And you, you, know, you lose your job. The economy turns south. A, a friend abandons you. Whatever it might be. But crisis comes. And all of that pain and all of that hurt and all of the stuff that you haven't handled comes right back on you again. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Well, let me give you another way. It's through confrontation. You know, you know what? We all need uh, friends that are guardrails so that when you're running off the mountainside, they can tell you. We need people who will be able to come up to us and say, listen, this is what we see in your life. 
and, and this isn't good, it is, it is, this isn't right, and, and, and I think you need to do something about it. How can I help? Has anybody been there? Now, most of us, we, we, we don't have relationships deep enough to sustain that conflict. Um, we don't have relationships deep enough to sustain that confrontation. Therefore, we never experience that. If you've never experienced that, you need to go deeper with some people around you who love Jesus so that you can be honest with one another and be able to deal with it. Now, listen, I want you to understand, when it happens, you're still going to want to naturally push back. That's our natural defense mechanism, but then we have to be able to step back and say, wait a minute, I'm hearing what, what these people are saying. Listen, and listen, I know you can't listen to everybody, you know, but, but if enough people are coming to you and saying this, then maybe there's something going on there. You know, they're, they're, I have friends who live in Texas, and Texans have some very interesting sayings, don't they? You're like, don't squat with your spurs on. That, that's, that's helpful. That's helpful, right? In, in Missouri, where I grew up, the most helpful thing they ever said was don't eat the yellow snow. And if, if you don't know, that's a whole different issue. If you don't know what that is, talk to somebody afterwards, they'll explain it to you. But there's another little phrase from Texas that I heard, and I'm going to clean it up because... Texans can be, we'll just say they can be colorful, all right? So I'm going to clean it up a little bit. But here's the saying. They say, if one person calls you a horse's rear, ignore him. If two people call you a horse's rear, look in the mirror. If three people call you a horse's rear, buy a saddle. Because it's probably true. Let me put it like this. If you and Tom have trouble and you and, and Fred have trouble, and you and Jill have trouble, and you and, and Tammy have trouble, and you and Sue tr- have trouble, here's what I know. There is one common denominator in all of those situations, and it's you. You may need to look at the man in the mirror and ask if he's going to change his ways. Some of you got a song going through your head right now. If you want to make the world a better place, you've got to take a look at yourself and make a change. I digress. You know, I'm, I was about to moonwalk right across the platform. How many of you would pay double tithes just to see that happen? <laughs> yeah, well, it ain't not going to happen. Confrontation. When enough people start to say, hey, look at your life, that causes enough pain for us to say, I need to mourn something here. Crisis. Confrontation. Th- these are things that God uses to, to break our den- denial Uh, We deny that we're in prison, but a crisis comes and we have to face reality. We deny we're in prison, but a confrontation comes and we have to face reality. Let me give you one more very, very quickly, and that is catastrophe. That's where just things just blow up and we have to realize that we're in prison. So so what does this lead to? It leads to, to understanding that God is the pathway of our comfort. You don't need to to make your prison cell more comfortable and then live there. Because there's a path out of your prison. It it may not look like there's a door there out of your prison cell, but there is a way out, and the way out is through the Lord. Well, what do you have to do? Number one, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He what? That He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. If you're going to find the pathway out, the first thing is that you have to believe that God exists. God exists. Let's say that together, everybody. God exists. 
It's, and, and listen, I believe this. I believe it's easier to believe that God does exist than it is to believe that God doesn't exist. Because if you look at the world, you realize that there is a design. And if there is a design, then there must be a designer. If there's a creation, it makes sense that there's a creator. You know, just take it all the way back. Believe in the Big Bang Theory if you want, whatever you want to, to do. But let's just go all the way back. Let's just say for a moment, for the sake of argument, that the world is millions and millions and millions of years old and we go all the way back to the Big Bang and there was just this one amount of matter so dense and all of a sudden it exploded and created everything that we see which first of all goes against known laws of thermodynamics that things go from order to chaos but now they're saying suddenly we went from chaos to order and so we won't even deal with that but let's just say that that all happened and there was this one matter of dense of matter and it exploded and created everything and I just want to ask one question where did that one little bit of incredibly dense incredibly dense matter come from it didn't just pop up from nothing you don't get something from nothing that's not the way science works so if you want to be scientific you you, nothing is created out of nothing but something has to flow from something so if there was a big bang all i'm saying is somebody had to light the match you know if i took your watch i don't have a watch on you know you should always be afraid of a preacher that doesn't wear a watch but, but if I had a watch, and I, I took that watch and smashed it into a million pieces, and put it into a bag, and then shook that bag up, and then dumped it out, it's not going to just suddenly come back together in the right places accidentally. Because it has a design. It all works together because of the design. And, and this creation, this, this, this body that we have, this earth, this solar system, this universe... It's far more complicated than a watch. The way things all work together, it, it, it just didn't fall out of space in perfect balance and design on its own. There was a d- designer who designed it. You have to believe that God exists. The second thing you have to believe is this. You have to believe not only is there a God who exists, but this is really important. You have to believe that you matter to him. You have to believe that He sees you, that He he sees your situation. Paul says in 2 Timothy, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles up uh, to hear. And He rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will, will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. He says, my friends abandoned me. He said, those that I taught forsook me. Those that I mentored were nowhere to be found. They scattered. They ran. They, they weren't there when I was standing trial. But He said, but when I stood trial, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself stood with me. No matter what trial you may be facing today, I need you to understand this and to understand it clearly and not to ever let it escape from your mind no matter what trial you're facing today the Lord is with you you matter to him he sees your situation he knows your pain he made you he knows that you're you're nothing but dust and because he knows that you're nothing but dust he wants to help you he wants to love you he wants to carry you he wants you to mourn over your losses he wants you to admit your mistakes he wants you to mourn over your stubborn rebellion and say god i'm a prisoner of my own making and i can't get out there is no door out of this prison you have to come and rescue me 
You have to believe that God is a God who desires to rescue you. You know, there are too many people that believe that God is up there. He's just some old man that's just waiting, looking to pin something on them. You know, they think God is looking to, to smash them every chance that he can, he can get. Listen, when, when something happens in your life, one of the things we need to remember is there di- there's a difference between causing it to happen and allowing it to happen. God may allow something to happen in your life, but that does not mean that God caused it. God may allow you to go through something, but that doesn't mean that, that God caused you to go through it. The miracle is that no matter what has happened in your life, the Bible says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. But you say, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the ailment that I'm facing. You don't know the the brokenness that's going on inside my family. You don't know the situation that I'm facing. You don't know how broke I am. You don't know how destitute we are. You don't know how abandoned I feel. I don't know any of that, but I know this. There is still a hill called Mount Calvary. There's still an old rugged cross. There's still a beam that, that, that is stretched wide and lifting high. And I look to the cross and I know that that is proof enough for me. No matter what's going on in my life. The cross is proof that God loves me. That God cares for me. That God sees me. God will carry me through. You have to believe that God exists and you have to believe that no matter what, that you matter to Him He's not looking to pin something on you. You know, he's he's looking to help you get out of the prison that you've made. You know, this idea of thinking that God's out to pin something on us. It reminds me of the story of two boys in Catholic school who were, they were in trouble all the time. They're always being sent to the principal's office. And the, the principal was a very strict nun at this Catholic school. And these boys were just getting in trouble all the time. Finally, one day they both got sent to the principal's office and the principal decided this day she was going to do it a little differently and, and, and she decided to take them into her office one, one boy at a time. The first boy goes in. The principal's just so put out with, with him and everything that he'd been doing and she, so she talked with him and scolded him and pleaded with him and she finally realized, man, this is just not getting through to this boy. She realized he needs, he needs God. And so she looks at the boy and she says, where is God in all this? And the boy just sat there. She asked him again, where is God in all this? And he just continued to sit there and listen. She said, she just kept after him. Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? And he just sat there silently and never answered. And finally, she was just so exasperated with this boy. She just said, just leave. And as he was leaving the principal's office, the other boy was heading into the principal's office. And the other boy looks at him and he said, what's going on? And the first boy said, I don't know, but apparently God's missing and they're trying to blame us for it. Listen, if you tithe more, the jokes get better. Um, all right? Work with me. You get what you pay for, all right? No, God, listen, God's not trying to pin something on you. God's just waiting, and He's saying, I'm waiting for you to mourn your sin. I'm waiting for you to mourn your self-reliance. I'm waiting for you to mourn your past mistakes because I exist and you matter to me, and I want to rescue you. But, but here's, the, here's the key. The third thing, you have to believe that he has the power to help you. You have to believe that no matter what your hurt is, he has the power to heal you. 
That, that whatever your hang-up is, He has the power to help you through it. No matter what, whatever your habit is, He has the power to deliver you from that. And whatever your sin is, He has the power to make you clean. You have to begin to understand that you are powerless to help yourself, but He has more than enough power to help you. That, that leads us to this. This message is called the hope choice. Last week it was the reality choice. Today is the hope choice. Here's where hope comes from. Hope comes from knowing that, yes, I'm powerless. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, I'm in a prison of my own making and there's no way out on my own. But the hope comes from knowing but God can make a way where there seems to be no way. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. God can bring freedom where I have not been able to break free. God can do it. L- listen to what the Bible says. If, and if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, then He can raise that dead relationship. He can raise that dead dream. He can deliver you from that dead habit. He can break you out of that dead addiction. He can set you free from any prison. Listen, if the tomb was not strong enough to hold Jesus in, then the prison that holds you in is not strong enough to keep Him out. He has the power to set you free. The Bible says in John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be what? Free Free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. If it is for freedom that Christ has what? He has set us free. God wants you to understand that He's real and that you matter and He has the power to help. Would you make the hope choice this morning? Maybe it's time we quit dialing every other number that, that doesn't help and dial the one number that, that does. Like the old timers used to say, Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Dial the number where you can get help. Dial the number that, you can, that can bring you the deliverance that you need. Begin to tune in to God. Begin to say, you are the only answer, God. You, you are the only way out of the prison in which I, I find myself. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you a simple question. Don't raise your hand yet. How many of you have tried to be in charge of your own life? How many times have you tried to play God and take control when you really had no control? Maybe, maybe you're here and you have habits, you have hurts, you have hang-ups. You have, we all have stuff and, and you have habits that you want, from which you want to be free. You, you have sin that needs to be forgiven. You have hurts that need to be healed. For, for a lot of you, it, it, these things are so debilitating that they have put you into a prison of your own making and you can't have a healthy relationship. You don't know how to love God. You're afraid to even lift your hand because, because you're afraid that somehow it won't work. Someone else is, or something else is controlling your life because you've, you're imprisoned by that stuff. You have to understand today, you cannot get out of your, your prison on your own. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Dave, I want to make the hope choice today. I I want to begin to mourn my past mistakes. I want to begin to mourn my past sins. I want to stop trying to control my life myself. Maybe you're even here and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I love God. I love Jesus. But I really need to surrender control of my life. I I love the old song. We're going to sing it in a moment where it says, All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. 
That's what you need to do today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's moving, no one's looking around. Let me ask you this one question. You're here today, and you, maybe you know Jesus, maybe you love Jesus, but you say, there's stuff in my life that, that's put me in prison, and, and you need to admit that to God today. You need to begin to mourn that today, because those that mourn shall be comforted. If you say, I want to surrender control over those habits, I want to surrender control over my hurts, I want to surrender control over my life to God today, if that's you and you say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want you to, I want to finally admit, I want to surrender to him. I want to trust God. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all over this place. All over this place. If you're online, I want you to respond in some way, whether it's through a comments or, or just even by raising your hand in the home or the car, wherever you are, all over this place. Father, I pray for these men and women. I pray for the, those in this room that are watching on the live stream, Lord God, that, uh, that, that are hurting. And I pray, God, that you would give them beauty for ashes. I ask, God, that you would give them strength for despair. I ask that you would give them praise instead of mourning. Lord, I pray that as they begin to face what, what they have lost, as they begin to mourn, as they begin to think of their prison cell, as they begin to mourn that, that prison from which they cannot escape on their own, that, that they would at this moment just surrender to you and say, I cannot control this. I cannot control my marriage anymore. I can't control my kids. I can't control my stuff. I need you, God, to either change me or change my situation. And God, I know you have the power to do either one. And Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that as they make their confession to you, that you would just come into this room right now, come into the place for, where those that are online that are watching and fill that room, fill that place, Lord God, and that you would just saturate our hearts, saturate our spirits with your presence, baptize them in the, in the love of God. I pray, God, that they would know how high and how wide and, and how deep and how broad and how strong is the love of God that passes all understanding. Let that love fill their hearts. And God, I pray that as they begin to surrender that control over to you, that some of them, Lord God, even now, they're going to begin to feel a release that they've ever, never felt before. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to lift those burdens. They've been carrying a burden thinking that they had to get out of these things on their own. They've carried the burden of trying to run their own life. They've carried the burden of having to be their own God. They've carried the burden of, of just having... And Lord, I just pray that all those burdens would just begin to fall off them right now. Right now, right where you are, just lift your hands to Him and just say, Lord, I surrender. Right where you are, say it out loud to Him. Say, Lord, I surrender to You. I need Your help all over this place. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. What does it matter? Say, Lord, I surrender. Say it out loud, Lord, I surrender. I give myself to you. I surrender my hurt to you. I surrender my pain to you. I surrender my hang-ups to you. I surrender my habits to you. I give you my life. I surrender everything to you. And Lord, I pray that in this moment as people are praying this simple prayer, that those burdens would just begin to fall off of them, that they would feel a lightness in their spirit, a joy in their spirit that they have not known. Help them, Lord, to understand that only Jesus is the captain of the hosts. Only Jesus is in charge, and we surrender over everything to Him. Lord, we mourn our loss this morning, knowing that You will comfort us. And I thank You, God, for the freedom that's coming into lives, the hope that's coming into lives today. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray.